Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We're going to be dedicating this podcast to you New York Giants fans. I'll speak with former Giants linebacker Byron Hunt about the team and talk about an event he's hosting Sunday at Boulevard Bowl. My first guest, you know, covers the New York Giants for the New York Daily News, also a Holy Ghost Prep graduate, and uh, he's been uh, kind of busy the last couple weeks with the uh, coaching change going on with the Giants. Uh, It's Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. Pat, welcome back to the program. Happy New Year. Ken, happy New Year! Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming back onto the program. Uh, before we get into the uh, the coaching situation of the Giants, uh, as we taped this on Wednesday, the NFL announced that uh, their Hall of Fame class, the for this the centennial class, and uh, the late Giants general manager George Young finally made the uh, Hall of Fame, and that's a big honor for the Giants. And you know, you know talk about his impact. Uh, with the Giants because he came in at a time when the Giants were really at an all-time low. They had uh, had yeah they were still being probably reeling from the miracle at the Meadowlands in 1978 against the Eagles. For sure, yeah they they had missed the playoffs for 15 straight years. They'd only had two winning seasons in that time, coming right off the miracle at the Meadowlands, as it's known in Philly, and it's known as the fumble up here <laughs> in North Jersey, New York. Which I think miracle at the Meadowlands sounds better, but of course. Did not depict accurately the devastation that the Giants suffered at the hands of the Eagles. Uh, but nevertheless, coming off of that season, Wellington Mara and his nephew Tim did not see eye to eye. They even had dueling press conferences at that point. And the story goes that Pete Rozelle, the commissioner at the time, suggested George Young as a neutral candidate that both would approve of because neither would accept each other's suggested candidates. I talked to John Mara in 2018, actually, though, and confirmed his, the account of the story that what actually happened is that Wellington Mara wanted George Young, but asked Pete Rozelle to suggest him as a neutral candidate because he knew if he suggested him, Tim Mara would say no. And so that's how George Young, who had been the director of pro scouting with the Dolphins at the time, ends up joining the Giants. And the rest is history from his first draft pick in 1979. A uh, young quarterback from Moorhead State by the name of Phil Sims. And, of course, others, Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, Joe Morris. Um, and along the way, rescues, resurrects the Giants. Their first two Super Bowl wins. He was the one who promoted Bill uh, Parcells to head coach from defensive coordinator. And um, from that point on, the Giants, as they are a landmark NFL franchise, but had been disgraced at that period of time, were... Uh, restored and were able to be proud once again because of the leadership that Young demonstrated. Well, I bet Giants fans probably wishing for those days uh, of the, the George Young era because uh, they had another bad season uh, this year. Uh, Pat Shermer gets fired uh, as a coach. Uh, Dave Gettleman stays on as general manager, and they bring in uh, Joe Judge, uh, relatively unknown. He worked with uh, Nick Saban in Alabama, worked with Bill Belichick at the New York England Patriots. Well, first of all, let's talk about uh, Judge and what was your initial thought when they hired him? Because I mean, there were plenty of uh, good candidates out there and uh, some well-known names. Yeah, no. If, if you talk to anyone who tells you they thought they saw this coming, they are lying to you. There is not a single person on earth 
who saw this hiring coming. Now, that doesn't mean it's the wrong hire. It's just it's a point of how much of an outside candidate he was, given the others that the Giants were interviewing, their level of interest in people like Matt Rule, how much Mike McCarthy impressed them in his interview, and how much experience he had, and the Super Bowl ring, of course. And Joe Judge, in fact, John Mara admitted as much that he didn't expect much going into Joe Judge's interview because they had never even met. Um, and Joe Judge also admitted that he did not eye a head coaching job as a goal for this season. But a lot of factors played a part. Of course, Matt Rule spurning the Giants, not even interviewing with them and taking the Carolina job affected things. Also, John Mara admitted that the Giants were worried about losing Judge once they interviewed him that Monday to Mississippi State, his alma mater, which was offering him their head coaching position as well. Um, of course, that doesn't exactly reflect on the strength of the Giants brand that they were being held hostage by Mississippi State. Uh, but that said, they do believe in Judge. And of course, what they can't, they can't go a sentence without talking about him, without mentioning his pedigree coming from Bill Belichick and Nick Saban at Alabama as well. Um, John Mara and the Giants have been very much uh, interested in all of the branches of the Bill Belichick tree. They, of course, of course, Belichick was here in the 80s during George Young's time as Parcells' defensive coordinator. And then since the Giants have interviewed Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia for vacancies of their head coaching position as well, Judge is younger. Uh, he is, uh, has never been an offensive or defensive coordinator. He comes from the special team side. But the Giants, when they fired Pat Shermer, there are a lot of things that Shermer does well, namely play calling. But what he wasn't able to do was be the CEO comfortably and to command players' attention and respect on a consistent basis that, that resulted in results and wins on the field. And so what they were looking for, most of all, was a leader, someone who stands up at the front of the room and commands respect. And I think we saw in Judge's introductory press conference anyway that he carries himself very well and that you will find it easy to believe in him as a player as long as the results in the field reflect the plan he's articulating. I mean, could you compare it to what the Eagles did a few years ago, hiring Doug Peterson, really a guy with no head coaching experience, and uh, maybe that's, you know, that was looked like an out-of-the-box hire at the time. And, of course, they two years later they won a Super Bowl under him and they you know make the playoffs each of the last two years. Uh, it's, it's a little bit similar um, in the sense that a lot of people are looking at this saying, you know, there's a lot of other more qualified candidates. Why this guy? Uh, you know, Peterson, of course, was a quarterback in the NFL, uh, someone whose offensive acumen and coming from the Andy Reid tree uh, was well-respected. But there are certainly, I think, it's a fair comparison to draw as far as um, second-guessing the lack of experience and how will it have an impact on the NFL level at the head coaching level. Uh, Peterson was older, of course, as well when he took the job. Uh, but, yeah, no, certainly certainly it's a dice roll. I don't think it was as much of a dice roll as the Eagles was on Peterson. And because also the Eagles knew Doug Peterson very well. He played for them. So they knew Doug very well. They knew him as an NFL coach very well. They knew him as a motivator. The, the huge difference here is the Giants not only didn't know much about Joe Judge, they hired him basically less than 24 hours after they met him. And so... You know, that's why 
that the Giants resent this word and they're working hard to change the narrative here. But it did feel like a little bit of panic set in as far as a confluence of factors, losing a candidate who was high on your list to another team, recognizing that you like this one, not knowing what the future holds if you don't hire this guy who you're starting to like. And so that's the great unknown and the reason why it's an even greater unknown than Peterson hire. The judge almost missed his interview. I was reading your story uh, uh, the other day. At, uh, he went to the wrong Penn Station. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, he, went to the, he took the train um, up from North Attleboro or you know, the Massachusetts all the way down and uh, went to New York instead of Newark. His car was waiting for him saying, where are you? you know, so he takes an Uber out to Jersey and makes the interview any, anyway. And uh, John Mara said what impressed him was how well-spoken and well-thought-out and confident he was in not even bringing notes to the interview, which I think, you, you know, I've seen other people say this too, but I've never heard of anyone doing that. Um, and I think that, I honestly, I think that speaks to a couple of things. Number one, Judge's confidence in himself and his acumen. I think it also speaks to the fact that he, he and the Giants really didn't know what to expect there. So he was fully prepared for the interview. But, you know, he's not walking in there uh, feeling desperate about anything or saying, like, if I don't make a great impression here, I'm not going to get the job. It's almost like there was he wasn't feeling the pressure of, I need to get a head coaching job now. It was almost like, let me go in here, make a really good first impression, and see if our visions align. And so that approach resulted in the Giants recognizing that uh, they were a better uh, fit than anyone could have imagined. So while the Giants have a new coach, the general manager is still Dave Gettleman. How surprised are you? Were you that uh, the Giants decided to uh, stay with him? Uh, I guess I could put it this way: I was surprised, but not shocked, in the sense that I thought they should move on from him. I thought the Giants knew they should move on from him. I thought Steve Tisch wanted to move on from him, and I thought that even John Mara's comments in keeping Dave talking about how they recognize the franchise has lost its luster and the respect of its fans and has to gain people's uh, respect and trust back. All of those things seem to indicate that they recognize as an ownership group how low they have fallen, and lately with Dave Gettleman at the helm. But I, I consider John Mayer is a very loyal person. The Giants are a very loyal organization in that sense, and he mistakenly stayed with Eli Manning too long as a franchise out of loyalty. And I view this as a mistake of loyalty and sticking with Dave Gettleman, uh, feeling like they should give him one more shot. Um, I think it's a huge mistake. I think Joe Judge's articulation of the kind of team he wants to build and how he wants to coach, those things were encouraging, but they will only mean something and they will only result in victories if he's allowed to build the team he coaches in the image that he described and not in the image that Gettleman is professing. And I was down at, uh, my son and I were down at the uh, regular season finale at uh, MetLife Stadium when the Eagles beat the Giants. And I would have thought that with the way the Eagles fans took over MetLife Stadium uh, that night uh, with the with them winning the game and just how loud it was for the Eagles fans over the Giants fans that maybe they would say, look, we got we to gotta change uh, our philosophy and uh, just clean house. You're absolutely right. In fact, one one question I asked Dave Gettleman was about kind of the um, 
kind of the moving, the sliding bar of how the ownership is grading him and Pat Shermer. It's like on the one hand, the lack of fans in the seats has been cited uh, for, you know, part of the reason why Shermer lost their confidence in ownership. But that wasn't the case for Dave Gettleman for some reason. And just similarly, the drafting of Daniel Jones is a huge piece, probably the centerpiece of why Dave Gettleman has earned a little bit more time here. And yet Pat Shermer, who helped draft Pat, helped draft Daniel Jones and certainly was the one who developed Daniel Jones and got him ready, so ready that he was ready to play essentially right away, is fired and not given uh, credit for that in retaining his job. So that's one of the many reasons why the Giants' decision-making here has been suspect. And let me be clear, too. I thought Pat Shermer should be fired. I was reporting for weeks prior to his being fired that he was going to be fired. I had a very good feel and understanding through my reporting of just how much the team was not responding to him and also the fact that the Giants were just sick and tired of mismanagement in games that was costing them with decisions, whether they were inconsistent or incorrect. And so I don't think they did the wrong thing in firing him. I just think it was such an obvious house-cleaning situation, and the fact that they didn't was reflective of John Mara and the Giants organization refusing to admit that their way is broken. Where did it go wrong for Pat Shermer? Um, well, he put his neck on the line by... So, obviously, when they took over the first year, regardless of how bad it got, you know, it was kind of like, a okay, well, first year... We're trying to clean things up. You know, let's see how we can build ourselves into year two. But it all started with Dave Gettleman trying to win now that first season rather than acknowledging it was time to rebuild immediately from the disaster of 2017. So that was more Gettleman than Shermer, but that set Shermer up for the failure of this coming season, which is the fact that even though John Mara wasn't trying to evaluate his team on wins, he was, and ownership was, because the reality is, you go eight and eight. That's one thing. You lose as rare, you win as rarely as the Giants did this season. Suddenly, it not only becomes an issue of we're not building quickly enough. It becomes an issue of what are the reasons that we never win, right? And so, your head coach is front and center on an explanation of whether he's to blame or whether there are other factors. And so, just the fact also that Pat Shermer recognizing that he needed to win and recognizing that Daniel Jones was ready and that Eli Manning was not the quarterback he used to be, put his neck on the line by benching Daniel Jones so early. But I saw that coming that early because, frankly, Shermer understood the lay of the land and he knew that Jones gave him a better chance to win week out, week in and week out than Manning did. But that put him on notice. once They, they won those first two games, but once they started sliding, now it was a, okay, Pat, you know, this decision is on you. You know, you said that Jones was ready and it was going to benefit our team. We need to win some games here. And then gradually um, his in-game decisions, whether it was in Chicago when they had uh, Janoris Jenkins back for that pump, that Chicago Bears punt that pinned them deep instead of putting a return man on. Um, and then what sealed Shermer's fate was – even though it was essentially sealed already based on what what was going on behind the scenes as far as players not responding. But in, in Philadelphia, their first game against the Eagles when Eli was playing, 
and they led at halftime, I think by 14, maybe by 17 at one point, and they came out of halftime, and very clearly to all of our eyes, and also to people I've spoken to, Doug Peterson and his and Jim Schwartz and the Eagles staff made a lot of adjustments that made a huge impact on an Eagles comeback, and Pat Shermer did not adjust coming out of halftime. And then he said after that game, I remember he said, um, or no, not after that game, after another game, he tried to rationalize that Daniel Jones' interceptions against the Packers were better because they weren't fumbles that he had constantly been dropping. And so comments like that, in-game decisions or mismanagement like that, all added up at the end, and he wasn't winning enough down the stretch anyway to warrant returning a third season. Well, I remember last year at um, the 2018 game, the Giants were at the Eagles. They were up at halftime, and Barkley was running all over the the Eagles in the second half, they stopped giving the ball to Barkley, and the Eagles end up winning that game. So, I mean, that's another example of the bad decisions that Shermer made. Right, exactly. Yeah, and there was, that was an odd – I remember in that game, Odell Beckham was in the locker room coming out of halftime, according to Shermer, getting an IV, which became a catch-all for whatever the heck actually was going on behind the scenes. And so in that third quarter of the game you referenced two years ago, the first drive, the Giants didn't have Odell on the field. And then the second drive, he rested Barkley, which I guess he, had, which according to him, he had planned resting him that drive anyway and, and did not play in the second drive. So they almost went the entire third quarter without playing a drive with their two best players on the field, which of course set up uh, an Eagles comeback. Who has a shorter leash in 2020, Gettleman or Judge? Gettleman, 100%. Um, Definitely Dave Gettleman. The Giants ownership is tired of firing coaches. And that's part of the reason why some other people justifiably were skeptical of whether they would actually fire Shermer. Because even though they knew it had gotten bad, we all know and I know that John Mara and Steve Tisch, they they really wanted to work. They want to be loyal. They they are known for their loyalty. They have shown that they are loyal to people who they want in the building and don't want to leave. And they want to remain that way with everyone that they hire and believe in. Um, So, you know, that's, that's coming to 2020 or 2020. They hired Joe judge who's 38 years old. And it's, it's actually a very interesting question you ask because judge is going to be under pressure, pressure to win more games now because they are just so tired of losing. But he's young. He's assembling a staff that so far does not have a ton of experience, the kind of experience you would envision or hope a first-time below 40 years old head coach would have on his staff. Um, and so they're going to have to remain patient. And actually, in my mind, keeping Gettleman buys judge time in the sense that if Gettleman continues to make mistakes managing the roster – to me, Judge can't take any kind of fall for that. You've already said you put this general manager on notice. So if there are any more misses, big misses in the draft or free agency, and if the team is losing, again, because of personnel on the field, then Gettleman has to take the fall next time. But it's easy for me to say that. Precedent just shows us that with a terrible roster, the coach couldn't win in the GM state. So who knows? Giants are capable of anything. Yeah. I got a couple questions from my uh, Facebook uh, friends uh, on the thing when I told them I was going to be interviewing you. Uh, Sam Hellings, who's also a Holy Ghost Prep graduate, he's asked, uh, did LaSalle College High School and Vanderbilt alum Kyle Shermer 
get any looks from Dad as Manning wound things down? Maybe a practice squad invite? Any thought that they will wind up together? Well, no. Shermer, when he was a Giants head coach, did not want um, – he and Kyle both have talked and agreed that you know Kyle would prefer and Pat would prefer that he make his own way not in not in the Giants organization, in another organization. But certainly he has helped him. Um, he landed on the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad and was with the Chiefs for a good time and with Andy Reid. Of course, uh, Andy Reid is the head coach that Shermer worked for in Philadelphia for all those years. So a huge connection there. Um, and I would expect Kyle to resurface somewhere else. Um, you know, Shermer's in Denver now as the offensive coordinator. Um, I still, at least according to him, he said that, you know, it, it would be better and they've kind of agreed if they were separate. He, you know, he definitely doesn't want to be in a position where he's benching or cutting or promoting his son and people don't think he deserves it. Um, so I think the way what we get to is Kyle Shermer remaining kind of on the fringe of rosters and competing and hopefully um, – you know, one day succeeding and joining. I mean, one thing that's really interesting about Shermer, you asked about LaSalle and, and, uh, and the Philadelphia area. So we now have Mike Pettin, Sean McDermott, um, Joe Judge. You know, you got Kyle Shermer trying to fight his way on the roster. You got a lot of people, uh, and that's just to name a few, representing the Philadelphia area now at high levels of the game. Uh, Chris Gross asking, uh, how involved will Judge be in the draft, and how about free agency? That's a great question, and one that I am reporting on and trying to figure out right now, because I think that there is uh, there's a chance that Judge will have to fight for power in making roster decisions in regards to free agency and the draft. Because we really don't know behind the scenes how much Gettleman is willing to relinquish here and how much ownership is telling him to relinquish. And so I think Judge has a specific idea of the kind of players he wants, and Gettleman certainly is going to make it a collaborative process according to what ownership says they expect. But I'm also skeptical that that will actually happen unless Judge really forces the issue. But that's me speculating based on the past, based on the fact that so Gettleman right now is claiming publicly that Pat Shermer and he made every decision collaboratively. He's the GM. He has made the final say on all calls. He just likes to point out that things don't work. He says it was collaborative. When they do work, he takes credit for it. And that's not me saying that. That's just how he is. Yeah. And that's, that's actually part of the reason he really frustrates me. It's not whether he hits or misses. It's the fact that he doesn't take accountability and own up to his mistakes. Yeah. And one final question from Amy Graves. She wants to know how well – uh, you think her beloved team will do in 2020? The Giants, they have a very difficult schedule. Uh, they have a difficult schedule on the road. Uh, they go to the Rams, the Seahawks. Uh, that's a couple right off the top of my head. And I know that um, this, is, this, is, this is just a reality. The roster is really, 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 really thin. And, for example, we talk about what they're going to do with the fourth overall pick. You can make an argument that about six or seven different positions are the right position to draft. You can make an argument for a stud-wide receiver, for an offensive tackle, for a defensive player like Chase Young on the edge, but he probably won't be there, 
or a safety like Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Uh, there are just so many places, or even a linebacker, there are so many places that the Giants need help. So I think the hope has to be that the Giants, I think, listen, I think Joe Judge could get them to 500 if Dave Gettleman makes all the right moves and if Daniel Jones cleans up his turnovers. Um, I would not expect that. I predicted them to go to win six games this past year. I, I'd say that's a fair number to predict for next year right now. Uh, but that's not my official prediction. Check back later. I would say what you want to see is progress from Daniel Jones and demonstrated results from Joe Judge's decision-making in games to victories on Sundays. Well, Pat, I uh, appreciate you coming on again. And uh, let everybody know all your social media platforms. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. And uh, let's do it again soon. Uh, and where, where can people find you on social media? Oh, sorry. Okay. That's um, right. <laughs> on Twitter, I'm at PLeonardNYDN, as in New York Daily News. Um, and I'm also on Instagram. It's PatLeonard underscore NFL. So uh, find me on Instagram, find me on Twitter, and NYDailyNews.com backslash sports. And I'm also on Stadium and SNY for television. So thank you very much for letting me promote all that. Yeah, you do a great job. And I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, well, I'll let you breathe for a little bit. Maybe we'll come back uh, around draft time. We'll talk uh, what the Giants did in the draft. Yeah, can't wait. All right, then we are Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All, right. Take care. All right, Pat, thank you very much. That's Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News. Coming up, we'll keep our Giants team going as I talk to former Giant Byron Hunt, who will be uh, hosting the bowling tournament at Boulevard Bowl on Sunday. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, coming up Sunday at 1 p.m. at Boulevard Bowl and prior to the NFL Conference Championship Games, there will be a bowling event that will help two organizations. The organizer of the Boulevard Bowl Soup and Bowl Tailgate Party event and had a chance to win a chance to go to Super Bowl. And here with you now to talk about the event is uh, Super Bowl champion, New York Giants uh, linebacker, Byron Hunt. Byron, welcome to the Sporting Shots podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, I heard a lot about podcasts. Uh, glad to see you're uh, getting in the swing of things. There's a lot of uh, uh, wonderful uh, reporters and people in the sports industry are making a living podcasting. How great is that? The world has really changed. Well, I'm not a millionaire yet, but maybe one of these days I'll get to be with the podcast. But, but, but let's talk about this event. Uh, how special is this event? What, what Tell us, uh, the listeners, what this event is all about. Well, this is uh, our first time doing this event. We're hoping to make it an annual event. Basically, uh, we're uh, raising money for the homeless veterans. Uh, there's a, a housing facility in Albany, New York, that I, uh, I did a motorcycle run. Uh, from uh, uh, a uh, biker's bar over here on, uh, on, uh, in Little Italy. And uh, my good friend who's no longer with us, Don Birch, invited me to come down. And there was thousands of bikers. I mean, it was a lot of guys. And we took, uh, we left the sawmill right here uh, in Schenectady, New York. And we went from the sawmill down to the homeless vet's house. And we had a ceremony down there. And uh, ever since then, you know, I've uh, uh, I've talked to uh, Mike here from uh, Boulevard Bowl, 
uh, Mike Skacia about doing an event. We had a lot of conversations over the years. So we're kicking off our first event. We're going to have Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker here, as well as Eric Dorsey, uh, the two-time Super Bowl champ from Notre Dame, and myself. And we're going to be having a good time and bowling for a opportunity, two things, I mean, two things that are going on. Opportunity to go to a Super Bowl, so we're raffling off two Super Bowl tickets, and we're also going to have a 7-10 split for a chance to possibly win a new car, and let's not forget what it's really all about. Bowling, having fun, and uh, doing something good for the veterans. You can also talk some football with the fans here. I mean, uh, it, uh, I bet you they're going to have a lot of questions about, especially with the, what the, the Giants have gone through the last couple of years, uh, firing their coach, uh, Pat Shermer, recently hiring Joe Judge. Uh, your, your thoughts about that? Uh, well, it's a very complicated situation, seems like. The Giants, uh, uh, in my opinion, are making some poor decisions one after another. At least that's the way it seems like to me. I mean, uh, uh, you would think an organization that's got uh, four Super Bowl championships, one, uh, you know, uh, uh, NFL uh, championship, that 59 championship, that would be able to uh, figure out how to do things the right way. First of all, let's get it straight. All right? Name Eli Manning, your starting quarterback. For his last season with the Giants. Daniel Jones will be the backup and will take over once Eli Manning is gone. Very simple. Send Eli Manning off the way he should be sent off, a two-time Super Bowl quarterback. Let him enjoy one full year. Praise from the fans. Praise from the media. Praise from his family. Let him, let him go out in style, okay? Do it the right way. The young man has never been injured, played full seasons every year, and then to come and do this, and it all started out with McAdoo and that, and how they messed all it up, and uh, bringing in uh, you know a quarterback to replace Eli Manning, who was a former Jets quarterback, who we will, who will name nameless, but you know what I'm saying, Geno Smith. I'll throw it in there. But it all started then, and then it's just made one bad mistake after another. Look, I'm not saying that. A special teams coach can't potentially be a head coach, but Bill Belichick highly recommended this young man. But think about this. Okay. If you want to hire a head coach, all right, there's offense coordinators that are out there. There's defense coordinators that are out there. There's quarterbacks coach. There's defensive line coaches. There's defense coordinators. There's the uh, uh, receiver coaches. There's uh, running back coaches. There's all these coaches before special teams coaches. All right? So you're going to tell me that you passed on all these guys, including the guy what's probably going to be the next head coach for the New England Patriots, I'm guessing, uh, when Bill Belichick leaves. But at least try to talk to him. You know what I mean? But no. Pass all those guys up and go to the guy who I would consider to be the low on the totem pole. Right? I mean, special teams coordinator, I mean, where does he fit? Maybe there's somebody underneath him that's an assistant special teams coordinator. But that is about as low as you can go, don't you think? Very complicated that to figure out why the Giants are doing it. It's complicated to figure out how, what the Giants are doing. All right, so not too complicated to figure out that. They're doing a lot of things wrong. Dave Gettleman, uh, second-year general manager, I talked with Pat Leonard earlier in the podcast about from the New York Daily News about maybe his mistake with last year was trying to do win now, knowing that they had to rebuild. Now they went through this process only, you know, they won three games this year with Jones quarterbacking. 
mean, were you surprised that Gettleman was kept as, uh, and then uh, Shermer was let go? Well, I'm not surprised that the Giants are doing anything that doesn't quite make sense. I'm not surprised that they're doing all these things. Uh, I can't explain to you why they're doing it, uh, but it seems like they are not clicking on all cylinders. I mean, if you've ever been part of a program, a part of an organization, when they're doing all the things the right way, and then some kind of way they lose their track. They just maybe hire to get the one person or something happens that throws them off. And it's almost like a car that's got a miss. You know, that spark plug. Right? You can't get, it's just got a, not running exactly right. You know, or, you know, the... You 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 had all, you had a wonderful girlfriend and you guys break up and then you get another girl and then another girl after that and another girl and you just can't get right that like that you want that girl you had before you know that girl you could potentially marry but every girl after that it's just it's just not working out seems like the Giants have gotten to that point where had great success and now it's like they forgot everything that they did to be successful. Very confusing. Dysfunction almost like sounds like a dysfunctional family. Well, I don't know if it's a dysfunctional family or not, but one thing I can say, it's confusing. <laughs> uh, what do you think they need to do uh, to get back to where they are? Where they should be, actually. But... Yeah, the first thing the New York Giants have to do is to uh, get the defense straightened out. Okay, that's very simple. I mean, you can't have one of the worst defenses in the NFL for the last three years, four years, and expect to win football games. It's not going to happen. Uh, I don't think they've done that. Uh, they didn't go out and get a head coach that could, uh, you know, put together a good defense or coach a good defense. I mean, it's it's really about coaching. I mean, heck, uh, it seems like they've uh, – uh, they got players that play hard, uh, but seems like that they don't they don't understand that if you're gonna throw the ball 40, 50 times a game, okay, then you got to play a different type of defense. Okay, you got to take the ball away. Or whatever. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying you should throw the ball 45 times a game, but you got to have a defense, an offense and special teams that work together. And it seems like the Giants do not have that complement. All right, because you can't throw it. I mean, Daniel Jones is throwing the ball 50 times a game, 40, 50 times a game. You see the games, and I still think Eli should have been a starting quarterback. You see the games that Eli Manning played in, okay? He didn't throw the ball a lot, all right? That's something about having leadership, okay? So I think that's number one. you got to have some leadership. Eli Manning is your... Think about it. Eli Manning, I don't want to go back, but I'm going to say this. Eli Manning is a captain of your team, all right, and he's holding a freaking baseball cap on the sideline. Okay? It just seemed odd that you know, it took Daniel Jones getting hurt for Eli to play two games, especially playing his last game at home two weeks before the season regular season was done. It just seemed, I mean, I, my son and I were down for the Eagles-Giants finale, and fans, we, even the Eagles fans, were, and like myself, were chanting, we want Eli, because we want to see Eli 
one more time. Just I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I grew up a Philadelphia Eagles fan, but even I have you have to respect Eli for what he did. And the way he was treated uh, by the Giants organization there at the end to me was just absolutely wrong. Uh, totally wrong. I mean, I was at the uh, the Giants Dolphins game, and the Giants dominated that game. The Dolphins had no chance. The Dolphins were really never in the game. We saw the Dolphins how they played against how they played against the uh, the Patriots. I mean, went up in, in New England and they beat the Patriots. And what I'm saying is that they botched up this whole entire season. They just made a mockery of one of the greatest players they've ever had to wear a New York Giants uniform. People, I mean, Eli Manning, he's got, uh, you know, 50-plus thousand yards. Uh, he's got, uh, you know, uh, three, oh, probably close to about 400 touchdowns. I'm going to say somewhere between 350, 40 touchdowns. Uh, he's, in my opinion, right now, he's got two Super Bowl. I mean, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, and they just figured out how to mess that up. It's it's very perplexing. I know the changes of the head coaches and changes of the general manager and things like that might have something to do with it, but it seems like the organization, the people that run the team, or excuse me, the people that own the team would say, hey, Eli Manning, we're going to do it this way, and when he's gone, he's going to be able to come back. Bring him back at a certain time, maybe five years, ten years down the road. But we're gonna let him ride out on this white horse or on a black horse, whatever, whatever kind of horse you want to ride out, and play this whole entire season, regardless of what happens. Daniel Jones is gonna go, just gonna wait one season. What's the big rush? I mean, the Giants won five games last year. They won four games this year. Uh, I'm saying that it just didn't make any sense. And to have the defense to be so poor. And if you follow New York Giants for any length of time, everybody knows the New York Giants are known for, or used to be known for defense. Kind of like Chicago Bears. You know, that's like one of those things that should happen that is not happening. Yeah, I just remember the LT. Let's play like a bunch of crazed dogs. <laughs> so. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and that's you know you got you play hard. Look, I'm not saying that the Giants' defense is not playing hard, but I'm just saying is that they're 30, 31st in the league. So regardless of how hard you're playing, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. You're not doing very. You're not doing a good job of uh, stopping a run. You're not doing a good job of rushing a passer. You're not doing a good job of taking the ball away. You mentioned Hall of Fame um, earlier Wednesday. Uh, it was announced that George Young, your general manager when you played there, uh, is going to be inducted into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, how thrilled are you for him? Well, I wish George Young was alive to be able to see it. Uh, George Young uh, uh, was able to uh, bring together the two mayors. Uh, matter of fact, he was put there uh, by Pete Rozelle because the Giants had had dysfunction. Think about this. The Giants had dysfunction back in the late 70s. So dysfunctional that the NFL had Pete Rose said, hey, this guy we're going to give you, George Young, he's going to come in and he's going to be the conduit to where 
the mayors can now get together and figure out how to get this organization squared away. New York, New Jersey, one of the original four franchises had so many problems, but George Young was able to bring those two entities together, bring in Phil Sims, bring in Ray Perkins, bring in Bill Parcells, who brought on his whole crew, and look what happened. Lawrence Taylor, Mike, I mean, not Mike Haynes, Mark Haynes, I mean, they had several players that came in, you know, uh, you know, of course, the the oh. drafting of Bavaro, Joe Marsh, Butch Wolfolk. I mean, you can say Byron Hunt. You can say Eric Dorr. You can say a number of guys. Carl Banks. Carl Banks. I mean, and on and on and on and on. They uh, managed to bring in uh, uh, O.J. Anderson, you know, trade from the uh, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals you know, back in the day, which uh, proved instrumental in that 1990 Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. So there was a lot of things that went into this. And uh, George Young did a terrific job. I mean, you can go right on into the 90s, you know, in that second Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, those are all guys that he brought in and, uh, and continue to bring in. Matter of fact, uh, uh, you, would, you could say that he restored uh, order to the New York Giants football franchise. And uh, I'm glad to see uh, him get his recognition. Who do you like in Sunday's uh, conference championship games? I like the 49ers to win a Super Bowl, and uh, that's my final. For those conference games, man, it's going to be tough. Tennessee has proved a couple things. Uh, I, if you go back all the, all the way to last year and what happened in Super Bowl 53, uh, the New England Patriots won that game over the Rams in a very low-scoring game. And I've been watching the uh, the tide turn in the NFL, and Bill Belichick is, and the Patriots are always ahead of the curve. People are going like, what's wrong with the Patriots' offense? You know, uh, uh, why aren't they scoring more points? I mean, what are they doing? I mean, the Patriots saw what was happening in the NFL, right? They said, we're going to run the ball. We're going to control the ball. We're going to play good, strong defense. We're not going to do a lot of man-to-man -man coverage. We're going to play a strong zone. We'll play man, but short, but not deep, because the pass interferences are just being called way too much. I mean, you're giving up big plays by going one-on-one. -on -one. You're giving up big plays uh, by uh, having some guy get turned loose because the offense tried to tries to confuse you, pick you, uh, whatever they want to call it. It's a pick. Uh, you know, they call it a rub, pick, whatever it is. But there's so many things that were happening. Guys are running loose in the NFL. I mean, guys are getting uh, pass interference and it's called all the time. They throw the ball up, and uh, you know, next thing you know, you got a pass interference. So the Patriots did, look what they did against the Rams. Strong zone defense, not a whole lot man to man. They made the quarterback for the Rams throw the ball underneath. They came up, they tackled, they ran the ball, held time of possession, and that's when. And this happened all last year. This just didn't happen this year. So what you're seeing right now is what all the teams are doing. I mean, who's scoring? Look, who's scoring a lot of points in these playoff games? These playoff games are indicative of what's going on in the NFL. Yes, 
You got Kansas City that scored a lot of points, but that's an outlier. That's not that was a fluke. I mean, Houston, I mean, blew that game 24 nothing. I mean, uh, it probably won't ever happen again. Just like it probably never happened again that the Patriots would come back from uh, you know being down 28 points in the Super Bowl against the uh, Atlanta Falcons and win. It's just one of those fluke things. So I think what you're going to see is what you've seen is those teams are going to play tough defense. The 49ers, Tennessee Titans, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I I thought the uh, the Texans were basically doing the same thing, right? Tough defense, running the ball or whatever. So when you see the makeup of these final teams, think about what they're doing best. Out of all those teams, those teams are playing some strong defense. Hey, even the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers are not scoring, you know, 30, 40 points a game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is not throwing, I mean, four or 500 yards, and he's not throwing five, six touchdowns. Yeah, Mahomes threw, I mean, I think in that game, he went 40, 44 straight points without, without Houston scoring one point. I mean, that is phenomenal, but I think there was something just, Weird about that game. I can't explain it, right? When the when the Texans got up 14 to no, 14-0, I went to do something else, and I came back, and that's 31-21. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is that uh, the team that's going to win the Super Bowl is going to be the team that has the best defense, and I think that's the 49ers. Well, Byron, let's tell everybody where they can sign up for this event on Sunday. Well, all you got to do is uh, you can contact Bo- uh, Boulevard Bowl directly. Uh, and, uh, we're, matter of fact, we're here right now, 1315 uh, Erie Boulevard in Schenectady, New York, right down from the uh, Rivers Casino. A very, very, very low-key hometown bowling facility. We're going to have a, a Super Bowl raffle. We're going to also be uh, have a chance to uh, to win a Mohawk, a Mohawk Honda vehicle right here by hitting a 7-10 split, which I've never done it before, but I'm going to give it my shot. So come on down to Boulevard Bowl, January 19th, 1 p.m. We're going to have a heck of a time. As I mentioned, Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker, is going to be here as well as Eric Dorsey. I'll be here as well as a bunch of bowling fans, a bunch of football fans. We're going to have a hell of a time, so we look forward to everybody coming down. Tickets are only 25 bucks. You can call Boulevard Bowl at 518-374-4171. Byron Hunt. Appreciate the time and great talking with you. Let's do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. And good luck with this podcast, man. And uh, hey, when you hit the million-dollar mark, uh, you can just uh, send me my check, and uh, I'll be looking for it in the mail. <laughs> you got it. Thanks. That's Byron Hunt. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Hey, pro football fans, it's time again to match which with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Game, sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, go to dailygazette.com football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. 
playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick a Football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook at dailygazette.com slash football. As a reminder, the You Pick on Football picks will continue during the NFL playoffs, so please go to dailygazette.com and click on Contest and Promotions. If you're a college hockey fan, look for my weekly ECAC hockey face-off selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the face-off selections by emailing your picks to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Union Hockey beat writer Mike McGowan joins me on the next College Hockey-centric podcast on January 17th. We'll look back at the Dutchman's and Dutch women's results from last weekend's games against Colgate and Cornell. We'll have comments from Union men's coach Rick Bennett, Union women's coach Josh Skiba, and Dutch women's junior defenseman Meg Ryan. If you have questions about the Union hockey, Mike and I will answer them. Send your questions to shot at dailygazette.com. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News and former New York Giants linebacker Byron Hunt for coming on the show. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports. <laughs>